0: This is the Ezra podcast, and I got to get something off my chest, and it's about the Tank Davis fight, A a fight that I see so different from probably most people that I see on Twitter talking about it, most people in the media, everyone, I see this fight completely different. Tank Davis easily won that fight. Like, this was not a close fight. Now, it was competitive at points? Sure, right? Did the, uh, Isak Cruz have moments? And it's Isak. I was calling him Isaac last time. And that's on me. That's solely on my, on my shoulders. That it's Isaac. But did Isak Cruz have moments in that fight? He sure did. He sure did. About three of them. And tank davis easily won this fight and if it was harder that you know than it should have been that's on tank davis and when i said going into this fight that tank davis couldn't impress me in this fight because he should so clearly outmatch he's so clearly better than Esau cruz i stood by that he could only unimpress me and i was a little unimpressed in the, by the performance i think tank davis coming forward is um two times the fighter of tank davis going backwards and that's what we're learning about the 135 See, we crowned them all. We crowned them all. And we took the crown from Lomachenko. And we might have to give it back. We crowned everyone. Haney. We crowned uh, Garcia. We crowned, uh, you know, not so much Garcia. Everybody's a little more negative towards Garcia. We crowned Teofimo, right? We crowned uh, Tank. We crowned them all. But you know what? No one's been able to hold the crown or keep the crown or earn the crown. Really. No one's earned anything. Teofimo's the only one. He fought Lomachenko. But he already lost it to Cambosos, who, so two guys with like legit, the legit wins of all the guys we're competing about is Cambosos and Tiafimo. Overall resume, it's Lomachenko. But the truth is the tank coming forward is a dominant force. Gonna be hard to beat. Going backwards, if you can push him to go backwards, he's not as effective. He's a little bit limited with his offense. His offensive weapons are not all there. And did he break his hand in the fight? He sure did. He sure did. But we still have the but I believe that honestly the evidence is more before he broke his hand. I thought the evidence of the moments that um, Cruz had were earlier in the fight than later in the fight. Later in the fight he kinda just dwindled. Especially the twelfth round, like when Tink just moved around the ring he had no answer to get to him. It wasn't anything really Esau Cruz was doing that was amazing. It was a a pressure fighter. It was a tough guy taking big shots and he was you know, he was patient. I give him that. That was you know, one of the smarter things he did was he was patient with his strikes. But at some points he was too patient, or at some points he just didn't punch at all, and he needed to he needed that activity. And the scorecards really would have reflected a positive in his in his favor if he would have been more busy. You know what I mean? I understand, like, oh, he's patient, yeah, but that kind of cost him, honestly. He needed to sell out, and especially if he said that he thought that he thought. um he thought uh, Tank was hurt in the fifth or hurt his hand. Well, then you got to jump on him. You got to be on him. I don't understand, you know. So don't give me all this that Isak Cruz is a star now. He's not a star. He's exactly who we thought he was. And Tank got the, exactly the win. See, rooting interests are making these fights something that they're not. And I don't just mean rooting interest for Tank. And I don't mean rooting interest against Tank. I mean all of it combined. Because rooting interest for Tank wanted this fight to be competitive. They wanted Tank to get a lot of credit for this win. So they made it more competitive than it actually was. They made Isak Cruz more of a threat than he actually was. Rooting interest against Tank made Isak Cruz winning the fight. When he was nowhere close to winning this fight. Isn't that funny, right? The two rooting interests against each other trying to make this fight more interesting than it actually was. And the one person who just calls it straight on the middle, me, just said, hey, fight wasn't really that close. Tank won. Isak had moments, but not enough to win this fight. He didn't really do anything amazing. He never, not really anything he did that, you know, I was like, oh wow, you know, that guy's gonna be a problem. No, he he is what he is. He's a comfort fighter and there's a a dime a dozen of them. He doesn't change levels well. He doesn't have a wide range of punches. He's kind of stiff. His legs are not great. And he follows you around the ring. And the best thing he has about him is he can take a shot and he might have a little bit of pop. He's not like some, you know, one punch guy. No, he, he has a highlight like that. Maybe a highlight or two like that, but He's not that fighter. He's not that fighter you're trying to make him out to be. He's a B-plus fighter at best. Don't oversell it. There's no, no reason to do that. And it's funny because Floyd gets up, right? And he starts talking in the press conference. And, you know, Floyd, he's smart. A lot of things he did with his career, um, you know, he knows how to build fighter. He, he gets it, right? But uh, someone thinks he's very dumb. And, and you know he's talking he's talking out of both sides of his mouth and i'm not saying that you know that does necessarily mean you're dumb but it's just like if he keeps talking he'll he'll if you let him keep talking he'll uh he's what he's done for his whole life he just answers questions without answering them he'll say one thing and then he'll contradict himself like five minutes later he's always does that and he's talking about tanking you know tanks not respected and tank you know he's fighting the guys but he, you know he's gonna fight the guys who make the most money right and then he goes and says talks to talk about canelo and he's like canelo's dodging this guy, he's ducking this guy and it's like hey you realize what you're doing with Tank's career, right? You're doing the exact same thing that you're accusing Canelo of doing, which Canelo isn't even doing. Canelo's fighting the top guys in the weight class. Now, yes, when he beats all of them, a new top guy will raise. There's got to be a point where he's just like, okay, well, make this guy earn it so it's a bigger fight. You know, if he beats Benavidez and Charles, there will be another top guy. There'll be the, the, the rankings will change, and are he, will he be dodging that guy at that point? So Canelo's thing is, hey, earn it. Or he does this whole bit, Canelo, where... I'm not going to fight that guy, I'm going to go fight this guy. And then everybody builds up this guy. Now Canelo's running from this guy. He's at, the exact same thing with Plant. He's running from Plant. He doesn't want to fight Plant. Plant was beating him, he knows it. Then he fights, ends up fighting Plant. No one can take back what they said, right? He smokes Plant and now it's like, oh, well, you built him up. But Floyd's doing this while he has Tank. And he takes doing the exact same thing that he's accusing Canelo of doing. It's insane. It's maddening. it's, 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 it's unbelievable. And you know, like they're saying, oh, he's gonna fight Garcia. gonna fight Garcia. Do not be confused here. They think Garcia is an easy fight, and I think most people watching think Garcia is an easy fight. I don't necessarily think that. I think Gar- Gar- Garcia is green. I think he needs a little bit more activity. He needs to, you know, work his defense a little bit. There's some holes to his game because he, he's still gotta come along. Just because he's Haney's age or just because you know he's Tufano's age, don't mean that he has to be rushed like them. Everybody's brought up differently, right? Everyone's ready at certain point. Tank's 27 years old, still hasn't got those fights. But the reason why they want that fight now is because they think Tank's, they think Garcia's easy work and they know he's a big name. And they think that it's a big payday and a fight that Tank can you know, get the knockout over him and huge payday. Get a lot of credit for it, right? Get the name under his belt. That's why they think that. There's a reason why they're not calling Lomachenko out because Lomachenko's the fight. The reason they're not calling Teofimo out, the reason they're not calling... Uh, you know, Haney, you know, Haney don't really bring a lot of attention. I've been saying that. Uh, Allerby says that everybody agrees with it, but I've been saying that. You know, Haney's not worth risk times reward times cost, and none of it adds up for Haney. Now, Haney's, because Eddie Hearn has been pushing for him, he's willing to overpay people and he's willing to get all these things going, Haney had a great fight. We're going to talk about that next, right? And he's going to have his great opportunity going up next. He's probably, in the, now suddenly, almost in the best spot if Ryan Garcia wasn't there. But Tate did what he had to do that's it, is he as great coming backwards, no, no, he has moves, he has a, he, he can box, defensively, there's holes, but like he, said, he can move around the ring, I don't know, he seems like he can't do it consistently, consistently, um, when Hank, and when, uh, when Tank is boxing, his break is like, alright, I'm gonna come forward and push this guy back, because I think the leg work is not, like, a natural thing to him as far as, like, boxing around the ring. So it might be a little more tiring to him, like, mentally. Now, I still think Tank could be the best 135 in the world. Right now, I'd probably lean Lomachenko. He's the most consistent performances. I think Lomachenko would have beat Isaac Cruz way easier than... than, uh... than Tank did, way more impressively. That's just me. But a lot of people are saying Isaac Cruz is suddenly is, you know, the a superstar, and he could knock all these guys out. We'll see how that ages. It's not going to age well. I'll tell you that right now. But Tank Davis got the win. I'm sure he got paid good. As far as, you know, stardom, the guy's a star. He brings out all the stars. There's no doubt about that. I, I, if you don't like watching uh, Tank Davis fight, then you just don't like fighting or you just hate him for some reason because this guy's an entertaining, he's one of the most entertaining fighters you can watch. He's a amazing talent. I like his personality his demeanor everything I like this dude's a star I'm not would never say anything other than that but I'm also a fan of boxing and I want to know who the best is and I like the the fact that you're making money but to the point that's good for you but what what does that really bring me if I'm not watching the best fights and I want to know that how long Haney follows this model that they're putting in front of him and maybe if he keeps getting paid he's not going to have a problem with it but I think that Haney's going to be a guy that says you know what I'm better than these guys and I want to prove it And I think that one day that's going to be a problem with the money team where they're like, hey, we're making money. Why risk it? Why pay these guys a little bit more when that ticks out of our, you know, bottom end or bottom line, (laughs) bottom end. And I want to know when that conflict comes because I'm I'm a little shaky on if Haney really likes Floyd that much. I think he likes the business of it. I don't know if he likes Floyd that much. I'm just going to say it now. All, all in all, like I told you, I couldn't be impressed in his performance. Tank won. He should have won. He was supposed to win. Probably should have won by a wider margin or more impressively, but he won. And uh, you're going to have performances like that. They're not all going to be like, oh, outstanding performances, right? Um, you know, you're fighting tough guys. And Isak Cruz is a tough guy. I don't think he's you know the most talented guy, but I think he's a tough guy. And any, any given night, he could give you a real hard time. Especially down your A game. Especially you break your hand. Tank Davis won. That's what he's supposed to do. Now let's see where he goes next because he's really getting cornered on opponents here. He really is. They're running out of guys. They're going to have to get really creative. What are they going to bring back Rowley? He's Tank is a star, but he's not a superstar yet. And he don't have superstar numbers yet. And in order to get that, you're going to need the opponent. And Floyd had Hoya. Who's Tank going to have? Right? Because Floyd had to go Zab Judah. He had to go De La Hoya. Had to go guys that people knew. Who's Tank going to get? The night before, right? That was a Sunday night. And I didn't mind the Sunday night. I really didn't. I mean, my girl probably didn't like it. But I didn't mind it. Uh, Football led right into boxing. I mean, he can't get any better than that. But on Saturday night, we had Devin Haney versus Jojo Diaz. And now this fight, right, is suddenly just forgotten because of the Tank fight. And that's just to to speak on tank stardom, right? Just to speak on how much of a star tank is. He took all the headlines. But Devin Haney and Joe Diaz fought to an excellent fight. And like I said, I didn't agree with the scorecards last fight. I don't agree with the scorecards on this fight. And I think these fights are not that hard to score. I really don't. But people, I don't know what the hell they're looking at. I really don't. Now, the problem I would say with this score, and maybe it was hard to score, is because Haney's work is spread out, right, through a full three rounds, right? He lands one shot at a time spread it out throughout the round. And Jojo Diaz landed in spurts, 20-second spurts, right? But those 20-second spurts, for me, were winning rounds. To everyone else, they weren't. Everyone else had this pretty much a blowout for Devin Haney. And I think that that robbed from the performance that he was having, because it kind of seemed like he was, um you know, well, going to this fight, everyone undersold Jojo Diaz. Undersold his skill and everything. So it really, although it was like, you know, a good fight for Devin Haney to get, then it kind of like, by the time we got there, it was, everyone had undersold Jojo Diaz no one really thought he had a chance, and it was underselling the skill level that he really had. And in the fight, they did the exact same thing because Ronaldo Diaz was doing good work in there. And when you do that, then the the shots that stand out clear, right, those are just small little moments, well, it just looks like Devin Haney has, like, a hole in his game, when really he's just in a competitive fight with a really high-level fighter. The way you view something, right, the angle you're looking at it can change everything. And that's what happened to David Haney has not really been able to have that star performance and I think he might have been robbed from it and maybe I didn't even catch it when it first happened but he might have been robbed for in this fight where he's fighting a really tough guy and he does enough to win now does he look a little shaky at the end yes he did again he did look a little shaky at the end and do you always feel like you know if he fought Tank or Teofimo that they would just always be able to land that one shot to end the night it does kind of feel like that but it also makes Demi Haney fights a lot more interesting he's very skilled he has no inside game we got to acknowledge that right he doesn't even know how to hold on the inside he, it's, he's very uncomfortable for him if he could somehow figure that out he'd almost be like a complete package but he doesn't have the inside game his head movement also is in a pattern it ends in the same side all the time it ends on his right side and people read that and they read it late. in the higher level fighters and a fighter like lomachenko he's gonna tear that apart and they got to break these little things. Now, there's a big thing with, like, the dads training their sons uh, in these fights, right? And another thing with Haney is, like, they got him going with a million trainers, and, like, he goes with this guy for a week. That, that doesn't work. Okay? It doesn't work. You got to be with one guy that, whether it's his dad or his dad brings an assistant trainer, but them two are just constantly focus on him. That's where the that's way it works. Okay, You know, a week with Floyd and a week with uh, someone else, it's, it's not going to work. It's all over the place. It's, it's not gonna be able to take in all information and keep it. It's, all these things have to be constantly drilled in and the guy has to be watching it and be like, oh, you're doing this a little different now, you're going to this a little different. It, it, it don't work where you're just all over the place. You can't do that. Not at this level. You gotta build your game now. Can't people can't just constantly be adding little things? You could do that. That's like, you know, like he spent a whole summer that like Kobe would go spend like a whole summer with Akeem Olajuwon and learn the post game. Okay, that's like a whole summer though. But you can't just be like a week here and a week here and then that's your training. That's confusing. It's not going to work. Those, It's not going to help his game. And it's getting to the point where his game is kind of stagnant at the point of what it is. But he he just beat, to me, arguably, of all the guys, the 135ers and they matched up, besides Camboso's uh, beating Tiofimo, David Haney beat Joel Diaz is the, the you know the second best guy to get beat. And Joel Diaz, who had a, a, a to me a very strong performance. I thought the fight was a draw. He's a guy in the mix now, that way division. And he And I feel like you know we didn't give the fight the attention it deserved or scored the way it was should have been properly scored, in my opinion. So it kind of robs from what Jojo Diaz does and it kind of robbed from what David Haney did. And then Tank fought on Sunday and it kind of just stole all the headlines. But the fact is that we had two very young, talented fighters. Well, not very, one very young. Jojo Diaz probably like 28, 29. But two talented fighters, top guys at 135. And they fought and it was a good competitive fight um, with tactical, tactical uh, strategies, switches in the game plan and... Moves that were working later in the fight, ranges that were working later in the fight. It was back and forth. It was competitive. It was a lot of moments where I thought were very exciting. I just thought it was an overall great fight. The one thing I want to say about Jojo Diaz, and I think he's be kicking himself after he watched this fight, is that he did not trust his um, his skills on the outside. He didn't trust his head movement. And I think that the peekaboo style, which was good, and I get it because Devin Haney, you know is not the hardest puncher, so you feel like you could walk through his shots. But still, in that style of peekaboo, judges do not give you credit for when they, you block the shots in the peekaboo style. They're just giving that guy all the credit for landing those shots. I don't know why. To me, it's pretty clear when the shots are blocked or they're not land clean. But in that style, every shot he's thrown, they're just considered as landed. And JoJo stood in that way too long. And I thought, okay, early on, that's good. Apply the pressure. Get David Haney, maybe a little bit tired. Get him moving off his spot. Um but he never got away from it. And I got you know, at one point you gotta trust your upper body movement because Jojo Diaz has some of the best upper body movement in boxing. He never trusted it. I think he didn't trust it against David Haney's speed, but he should have. He should have uh that was gonna be the thing to take him over the top in this fight, and he never did. He never let it go. He never he never made Haney miss big so he could counter. And all his moves had to come off pressuring Haney off his spot and being able to get off first. Or get put get off while Haney's moving backwards. He never trusted count his countering against Haney's uh, combinations and speed. And I think that he's gonna regret that. I don't I don't understand that strategy. I don't get why he maybe he just got stuck in the peekaboo and he couldn't get in the rhythm of his head movement. And if he didn't feel like he could get in the rhythm of it, he didn't trust it later in the fight. Maybe it's all possible. But I think that's what, you know, really hurt him in this fight. David Haney, I, I feel like I know his style. Um I feel like I know what I'm gonna get when when I see him fight. The talent's going to get better. It looks like he's in a good position to get Cambosos, right? He's also in a position to maybe get Ryan. He, he might be in the best position for the... He's definitely in the best position for the bouts. I would say, if I'm talking about who's in the best position to get actual good fights, I think it's uh, Ryan Garcia. I think it's Devin Haney and Cambosos. I think those three are in position to fight anyone. To me, I would have Devin Haney third, right? Because Cambosos can fight Ryan Garcia could fight Tank, could fight Lomachenko, he could fight Devin Haney. It just is, depends on what his asking price is. Ryan Garcia could get any one of those guys to come to fight him. He could even get Tank, he could get Lomachenko, he could get Tifimo, he could get Devin Haney. Haney could get Cabosos or Ryan. It's, it's, they're not in bad spots. And Haney is at the perfect age to finally start getting these guys. And you know the Leonards fight; it wasn't the dominant performance. You know, he to me he clearly won the fight, but it wasn't the dominant performance he needed, or didn't finish strong. But you gotta start thinking like you got Leonards, you got Jojo Diaz. He's he's get he's fighting some tough competition. It's not easy competition. And if he gets Campbell's next and he beats him, it's like hey, well, okay, he looks a little shaky at parts, but he's winning. He's consistently winning, and he's gonna get better, and he's gonna improve. Now, they got to figure out the training. Uh, you know, is Dagen going to train him? Is Ben Davison going to take over more control? Are they going to just get out, bring in a whole new trainer? But I think moving them around and all that, I think that's a mistake. Uh, on the undercard of uh, Ting Davis, we had Fandora versus Sergio Garcia. And this was probably, you know, supposed to be a moment for Fandora to really like dominate against, you know, a credible opponent. And. I think um, Fandora went in there with the game plan of... uh, And he's been implementing it. I think he kind of just had to watch closely his fights of finding more ranges. And this was going to be a fight where, you know, for some reason, they were going to choose the box consistently. And I have no problem with that because if Fandora figures out how to box and he can find the inside, it's going to be a real problem for people. Now his height, um, which is a positive, is also a negative because... He gets stuck in certain spots and he's just not going to be able to avoid. And like the overhand right is just always going to be a problem for him. It just is. He's just always going to be kind of hittable with that. But he did box. He, he, to me, he felt really comfortable in ranges. Um, I think that uh Sergio Garcia is a kind of you know, veteran of the game that he's able to, you know, make a fight real hard for yourself. He's probably a guy that kind of hard to look impressive against. And people don't know who he is, so it's not like, you know, beating him is, like, a huge thing. Especially if, like, the, that, the fans that were there, they don't they don't think they knew who the hell he was. And I don't think they really even knew who Fedora was. And they just saw a tall guy. And the fight wasn't bad. Like, I wouldn't say that was a bad fight. That was a, you know, competitor fight. It just had no energy. It had, like, didn't tell a story. And no one in the crowd was hyped for it. And it just reminded me, like, and I always kind of use this comparison. It's, like, when SummerSlam happens or WrestleMania, there's, like, a, you know, two superstars fight in the middle of the card. Storyline, great match. And then the fight after it always suffers. And, you know, you had a Domus fight before that fight uh, with Derbichenko, and that was a really good fight. That was an entertaining fight. I just think that that and then the anticipation of the main event after it was just people settling in. It just had no energy in that card, and it did Fondora no favors. The way he fought and did him no favors. I thought the fight was, uh, you know, kind of close, kind of competitive. Honestly, you probably could have saw that fight going either way, but I had no problem with Fondora winning it. And I thought that he did show some more ranges. Defensively, I see you know you know you see holes. Like I understand he can do those ranges, and I understand that he can box at times. But I don't know if that's what he's his best at. Right, he could do those things at points, but I don't know if that's something you're going to go into a fight and be like, we're going to box. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to do that. And I wonder if it's a situation where it makes him so much less as a fighter, right? Because I we sometimes you know you say like. David Haney's the best boxer on 135. No one's going to outbox David Haney. But that just means like, well, so no one's going to, you know, keep the distance and fight in the middle of the ring and jab. You know, I don't, I don't, that's a certain way of fighting, right? But I mean, who's going to win the fight? That's what you want to know. I don't know if Fondora if he's the best fighter by boxing, right? And being defensive and moving backwards. I don't know if he is. I think his best style is being able to fight a, a few ranges, but it's constant pressure and, The work rate and having long arms, so when you try to get when you feel the pressure too much, you take a step back. You're still in range. I think that's the best of him, but maybe they're just you know they felt like it was a fight that they could still figure something out. I I think that you kind of have to look at what the opportunity is for you and who's there and who's watching, and I think you kind of have to weigh that against you know what kind of performance you think you're gonna put on. I thought boxing was an odd choice at points. I liked it when you know like oh he's showing his ranges that's cool, but you know also gotta put it on this guy and look impressive. They didn't now i don't think you know with al hayman they have a plan with their fighters and they don't they don't give up on them and they know what they're growing and they 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 know what the, the what they want and to take them in that direction so i don't know if it affects them that much but i just thought as overall getting a fan base and people's attention that was a missed opportunity adamus uh beat in a fight that i did not think he could win i thought he looked a lot sharper i thought his body even looked different in that fight He still has the problems where like he's gonna fade with energy, and I think that he was very uh, aware of his stamina problems in that fight. Derevchenko has had the same performance all the time. First round gets looks like he's about to get blown out. Comes back, applies pressure. Um, We know what Derevchenko is. He he knows what he is. I don't know if uh, you know him fighting. He's just gonna become a gatekeeper, and I think that he's not that. You know, he's too good to really be that. I just don't think he, you know, he's gotten some good paydays. I don't know if he doesn't need to do this anymore. I, I'd be okay with him not doing this anymore. I really respect him as a fighter, and I just hate to see him be that like guy just like getting knocked out. He takes a lot of damage, taking a lot of punches. And I, I've seen him in good fights, and that was another good one. And he's been consistently in good fights. And I really, really enjoy him as a fighter. Adamus versus uh, Mongia is amazing if that's what's that's what's next. That's what it sounds like next. Mangi um, is the number one ranked for the WBC. Adamas, I believe. I don't even know how that works because Adamas didn't. I didn't even see him ranked for the WBC. So somehow he takes Derbichenko's spot and skips all the other guys below him. But I don't. I don't really pay attention to the belts like that. I don't really care for the belts. I think the whole system's crooked. It works once in a while. Like Campbell's story is very good, but I just don't trust all that. But if he, him versus Mangi is a good fight, and if, however the hell we got there. I'm okay with it, if that's the fight that happens next. And Fandora versus Lupin, which I've been saying is gonna happen for a while, that's a good fight as well. Let's go to the UFC card, you had Jose Aldo versus Rob Font, and I I told you the story, that I ranked the top 10 uh, boxers in the UFC, or top five, and I had Jose Aldo number four. And a lot of people gave me crap about that. They were like, Jose Aldo doesn't belong on there. Put on Rafa, I kept saying, Rafa, Rafa. And I really liked Rafa. He was like number eight on my list if I went top 10. But I just didn't think he was a better boxer or more dynamic than Jose Aldo with the hands. I thought Jose Aldo's combinations and his his spacing, all that, I just thought it was better. Now, going into the fight, I had picked Jose Aldo to lose this fight because I thought his age in the later rounds would catch up to him. And I thought that Rafa uh, would be able to carry his power late. And be able to take the later rounds, even though he's going to get outboxed early. I was right early, but then I didn't think about the shots that were landing on Rafa that he couldn't recover from, and how consistent Jose Aldo looks with his hands. He's just better with his hands. Like, he fights Peter Jan. Now, he probably loses again. I'd pick Peter Jan to win that fight, but I think that's even a more competitive fight than it was if they stay standing. He is getting that much better with his hands. He. You know, I've seen, like, the talks of, like, who's the real GOAT or who's a better, you know, fighter. If you look back at the careers, uh, Khabib or Jose Aldo. And maybe it might sound ridiculous to some, but I don't think they remember when Jose Aldo dominated. When he was champ at 145. Like, he was dominating. Like, he was... It wasn't close. Like, what Khabib was doing to people on the ground... Jose Aldo was doing that to people's legs. Like, he was doing that with kicks. He was dominating like that. He loses to Connor And, you know, it's a first-round knockout. And, um... When it's like that, you kind of think like, well, okay, well, was he anything? You know what I mean? It's, he just, it just, it, it messes up. It, everything can, in a second, change your whole career, right? The perception of it, all these things, right, can change. That's why a guy can, Devin Haney can struggle all his way up, and then if he goes and smokes Javante Tank Davis, you forget all that that he struggled. He's the man now. So, then Jose all had to go through that, and he worked his way back, and he cut, you know, dropped down the weight class, Right, then unheard of as you get older. It's like dropping down. I'm going to go down. Usually go up. You drop down in weight class. What does that mean? That means more committed. More focused on his game. More dedicated. As he got older. And what do he do? He said, change his style. He said, I'm going to focus on boxing. I might even become a pro boxer. And he goes and he becomes and he works his game in boxing. And he improves his game in boxing. Boxing is not a thing you improve as you get older. Okay, it's not a thing like that. It's not one of the things where MMA guys have tried it for a long time. Like, I'm going to work on boxing. They usually get knocked out cold. It's a very hard thing to work on as a young man. So imagine to get older with a guy with miles on him, and he got this much better with his hands. Aldo is an all-time great. I'm talking top five, maybe top three. And let's see how this run ends, because I'm not going to be surprised if he ends up with the title. Now he, unfortunately, is in the one with in the weight division, probably you know one of the best fighters in the world, one of the top three best fighters in the world, maybe top two, and Peter Yan. Peter John's so damn good at boxing; he's number one on my list. But, damn it, this guy's good, and Jose Aldo is damn good, and in the everything he's done, you know, I have the thing of like when a fighter's career's coming to an end, he usually gains a bunch of muscle, moves up a weight class, train, uh, changes his training camp, right? I'm a whole new fighter now, and start training at a beach. Jose Aldo is doing the opposite of all those things. It's beautiful. I the respect for him, it's it's amazing. And Rafa took an absolute beating. Jose Aldo was at another level than him. And I think that was a wake up call for, you know, Rafa, who I thought maybe would fight for a title sometime next year. And, you know, UFC, it's hard to tell. Injuries happen. Guys are able to, you know, pop in and like that. But, God, that knocked him down. Uh, uh, You know, bottom of the top 10, for sure. I mean, Jose Aldo was just superior to him in, in every way. Good competitive fight. You know, in the UFC, the way the rounds work, and it's short, compact. You know, every fight kind of seems close. But Jose Aldo, dominant victory. We got a lot of fights coming up this week. I mean, a lot. UFC pay-per-view, like four boxing cards, a bunch of fights on each card. I, It's a lot to talk about. I gotta study. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.